0: Okay, so a couple weeks ago, I was hanging out with three friends. There's four of us who get together about once a month or every other month just to talk about life and politics and solve all of the issues that are going on today. We've got all the answers. It's been great. And as we're sitting there talking, one of the women said, you know, hey, I'm, I've got to go early tonight. I'm getting up early to go on a backpacking trip tomorrow for the weekend. And I was like, oh, that sounds great. And she continues to tell us about this thing. And as we're Having this conversation, um, she's describing where she's going, and she starts saying things like, hey, you know, it would have been great if you guys could have come. It's going to be a really fun trip. And I'm starting to realize that the other two women sitting there were both invited on this trip, and I was not. And so I'm sitting there, and I'm like, oh, okay, this is good. I'm just kind of waiting for when I can kind of just put a little dig in there. And so she keeps talking about it, and finally I was like, you know, that sounds really great, I, I would love to go backpacking, especially with that group of women, that sounds really amazing, I would have loved that had I been invited. But I'm glad you guys were, that's really great. And she looked and she's like, no, you were invited. I was like, no, I absolutely was not. <laughs> this is the first I've heard about this. And she's like, oh, okay. So then for the rest of the conversation, I would kind of just keep pushing it a little bit, like, oh man, good, I'm glad, this is gonna be good. Oh, central Washington is gonna be beautiful this time, I wish I could go. And finally, she got really sick of me and was like, Julie, would you have even gone if you would have known about it? And I was like, no, absolutely not. There's no way I can go this weekend. I've got soccer games to watch. I've got a ton of stuff to do. It sounds like a ton of work, frankly, but it would be really fun had I been invited. Because the point is we like to be invited to things, right? Like you go to a wedding and you look at the bridal party and you're like, oh, man, look at all them. That would have been fun to be invited to. Again, a ton of work and a lot of money if you're in that, but you think, man, if I'm invited to be into that, it's because somebody sees value in me. They see me as somebody that they want to be a part of something. Or if you're an athlete, it's way better to be invited to play on a team than to just sign up and pay your money, right? Because they're like, oh, you see something important. Or musician. This has never happened to me because I'm not a musician, but I imagine if somebody looked and said, oh, Julie, we would love it if you could just play the keys for us. You're so good. And I would be like, You don't want that, but I would feel really good. Like what I have to bring to the table is a value because we like to be invited to things. And so today's sermon, we are going to talk about invitations and Jesus. Weird. Um, So if you guys would take a minute and open up your Bibles to John chapter 5, we're going to jump in starting there. If you have your phone, you can go ahead and stop looking at Instagram and pull up the Bible app be great, and then when we're done reading it, you could close it up right away, too. All right, John, chapter five, verse one. That's what it says. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool, in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. In these lay a multiple of invalids, people who are blind, lame, and paralyzed. One, one man was there who had been there for 30, or was, who had been an invalid for 38 years. Let's pause for a quick second. Um, Bethesda means house of mercy or house of grace. Bethesda had a pool and oftentimes within that water, the water would stir or there'd be bubbles coming up from it. And the thought was that any time that the water was stirred, it had meant that an angel had dipped its wings in the pool and then the first person to enter the pool would be healed. And so people would wait. People who had been suffering for years and years would sit around the pool waiting. And so picture this, this, this man in particular had been suffering for 38 years. He's sitting by the water, laying by the water, hoping that there's some chance that the water is going to stir. And then on top of that, hoping for another miracle that somehow he'll be able to be the first one into the pool. So he's waiting. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? Again, we're gonna pause. Now remember, there's a Jewish feast happening, which means that there's gatherings of people all around in Jerusalem. We don't know if it's Passover or Pentecost. There's some debate as to which feast. That part doesn't matter. What matters is that there are people there celebrating. um, There are people gathering, there's people eating together. And in this moment, Jesus reminds us again that he's all about proximity. Instead of going to all those gatherings and being with all the people who probably supposedly have it all together, he immediately goes to a place of people who are hurting, suffered, suffering, and are probably considered less than by most of society. And he says to him, do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool. When the water is stirred up. And then while I'm going, another one steps down before me. And Jesus said to him, get up, take your bed, and walk. And at once the man was healed. All right, in full disclosure, I had a little bit of a rough week. Um, this is something I don't really like to talk about up front because I don't like attention to this type of thing, but I feel like it's uh, relates to the story, so I'm going to have to share it with you guys. But I have had chronic pain for the last 15 years. It's on and off, um, and it can be pretty debilitating at times. In the past three to five years, I've had a lot of honestly just weird medical issues. I don't know what they are. I've been to many, many doctors. They, It's gone undiagnosed, um, but sometimes it takes me out of the game. And I have now come to a point where it's managed through some medicines that For the most part, I feel pretty good, and then I'll have these flare-ups every so often, and they can take me out. And of course, this week, as I'm talking about healing and pondering this, I am having a flare-up. I know that there are people sitting in this room right now who deal with things far worse than that and have dealt with suffering for their entire lives or the past few years, and it's far more extreme than anything that I will begin to even imagine. Uh, So I say this not to gain sympathy, But as I'm preparing for this and I'm having a flare-up, I'm reading this passage, and I'm prepping, and I'm thinking about this, (laughs) all the things going on in my own body, and then I start thinking about all my friends who have cancer or who has a mom who's an alcoholic or who has a child with leukemia. And as I'm reading this, I I am totally honest, my first response is, seriously, Jesus? Do you want to be healed? That's your question to this guy. Isn't it obvious he's waiting there? Of course he does. He's sitting by the pool, right? More on that in just a bit. But my second question, because remember, we're in a place that we are allowed to ask questions and we actually encourage questions here. So my second question is, as I'm reading this, and I'm sure anybody else who has either experienced suffering or witnessed somebody suffering, my next question is, why him? And what about all the other people who are sitting there at that pool waiting to be healed? Why does Jesus choose him? Why does Jesus heal some today and not others today? I have done a lot of research on this. I've wrestled with this for years. I've prayed. I've asked a lot of questions. And here is my ultimate answer to this question the why him. I have absolutely no idea. And I think that no one really does. I don't think that it's something that we will ever fully know. And maybe at times when we see a healing or when we see somebody being restored, we'll get a glimpse as to why or what or little bits of it. But ultimately, we don't know. We don't know why some people are healed while others have things that are not healed. So I'm not downplaying that question or skimming over that question. I just don't have the answer for you. But as much as I would like that answer, um, there are many other things that this passage does tell us about Jesus. So as I wrote, as I read this passage, I wrote down everything that I saw about the characteristic of Jesus. And if that's just a little side note, if you're looking for a good activity to do with your small group this week, take this passage and do that. Just go through all of it. Go through the interaction between him and this man and write down every single thing that tells you about who Jesus is and what Jesus is about. It's kind of fun. But as I did this, I kept coming back to to this question. Do you want to be healed? Do you want to be made well? And the more I wrestled with why he would ask such a seemingly obvious question, the more beautiful that question became. Because what I realized is that Jesus is an inviter. Jesus did not force healing on this man. He invited this man into his healing. Do you want to be healed? And it's interesting because some, some commentators and commentaries would say that this man gave a list of excuses in Jesus' response. But this man didn't even know who Jesus was. And a few verses we'll see that he said when he was asked, I don't know who healed me. So Jesus approaches this man. He doesn't know who he is and he says, do you want to be healed? And the guy is like, every time I try and get to the pool, I can't get there. Somebody else beats me, all these things. Like, yes. To me, that's saying I absolutely want to be healed, but I just, can't do it. I don't know how to get there. I don't know how to do it. And Jesus heals him. So as I read this, there are areas in my physical life that Jesus has not healed. And if he asks me that question, I'll say, yes, that'd be great. Um, But just because he hasn't healed that aspect of my life, doesn't mean that he isn't asking me something else. Because the story doesn't stop there for him or for us like I said, that question that Jesus asked reminds me that Jesus invites. So my question for myself as I was prepping for this and my question for you and for us as a community is what is Jesus inviting you into right now? Because I absolutely believe that he's inviting you into something. I don't know what it is. I'm not going to be up here and put a guilt trip on you of like, I think everybody's being invited to be in kids ministry or I think you're all being invited to raise our budget. I mean, I I honestly am not, that's not what I'm doing up here. I don't know what you are being invited to, but I bet you do. And if you don't give yourself some space to hear the Spirit, listen for Jesus' voice. Sometimes Jesus will invite you into something really big and dramatic, and sometimes it'll be a small whisper. But our job is to listen. Maybe Jesus is is inviting you into a time of healing. Maybe he is inviting you into a time of miraculous physical healing without human intervention. Or maybe it's through a miraculous healing through doctors or nutritionists or a counselor. Maybe he's inviting you into spiritual healing. Maybe he's inviting you into a relational healing. A time of forgiveness. Maybe he's inviting you to forgive others or to forgive yourself. Maybe he's inviting you to see the beauty that he has made in the form of you and all that you entail. Maybe Jesus is inviting you to finally realize the depth of his love for you, of his unconditional love for you just as you are. Not I love you, but, or I love you if, but simply I love you. Maybe he's inviting you to take that step of faith Maybe he's inviting you into a relationship with him. Maybe he's inv- he is inviting you to take action, care for a group of people, stand up for those voices who are not heard. Or maybe he's inviting you into a time of rest or a time of family or a time of boundaries. The point being, Jesus is absolutely active. Jesus is alive, Jesus knows you and is inviting you into something. Because Jesus sees value in you. Jesus knows your worth. Jesus is inviting you. But look for a second to the person next to you. Oh, good. Now look behind you. Good. You guys are active listeners. This is great. The invitation that Jesus has for you may look very different from the person that is sitting next to you. Jesus' invitations invite us to live a life more fully alive, just like this man. Jesus' invitations bring restoration, and Jesus doesn't stop there, and Jesus doesn't just invite once and leave it for you to do. If we look at the next couple of verses, Jesus has another invitation for this man. He comes back to him. He pursues him, and this is what it says. Now that day was the Sabbath, so the Jews said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath and is not lawful, lawful for you to take up your bed. But he answered them, the man who healed me, the man said to me, take up your bed and walk. They asked him, who is the man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? Now the man who had been healed didn't know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn as there was a crowd in the place. But afterwards, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, see, you are well. Sin no more that nothing, may, nothing worse may happen to you. And the man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. And this was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. This passage is, again, another passage where Jesus is breaking the rules for the right reasons. Basically, people are mad at him for healing, for doing work on the Sabbath. And another intriguing piece of this section is that Jesus follows up with this man. The man didn't know who Jesus was because Jesus slipped away, but Jesus isn't done interacting with him in the same way that Jesus doesn't reach us once and walks away. Jesus pursues us. Jesus pursued this man, finds him, and says, hey, you look great. You look well, and then he extends him another invitation. He says, sin no more that nothing worse may happen to you. For many years of my life, I would read that verse as a threat or like a don't sin or else, there's something hiding behind that corner. But the more questions I've asked and the more I learn about Jesus, the more I see that this is actually another invitation. He's saying, I know you. I know what is best for you. I'm inviting you to turn away from that, turn away from things that lead you to to destruction and turn your life to live into the life that I have for you because sin leads to destruction and I lead to life. Just like John 10.10 says, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So Jesus is saying to this man, don't turn to sin. Turn to living fully alive. So maybe for you or maybe for me, Jesus' invitation is for you to turn away from something, from some destruction in your life, away from things that cause harm to you, to yourself, to others, either emotionally, physically, or spiritually. And if you feel like that's you, tell somebody. Embrace it, acknowledge it, know it, and tell somebody. Bring it to the light and listen to the spirit about what Jesus is calling you into as well. So here's the deal, though. I think that the majority of us probably already know something that we're being invited into or away from. I bet there's been something stirring in you for a while or something that comes to mind pretty quickly when I say this, and maybe not. But I do believe that Jesus is moving in us, he's moving around us, and he's moving in you. I just think a lot of times we make excuses. And I think that's why we look at that man as a list of excuses, because I think we have a list of excuses. Maybe we, we say we don't hear what Jesus has, but in all reality, we maybe just don't want to hear what he has to say. So maybe take your, take some time, give yourself some space to listen for his invitations. They may come in scripture, they may come in a conversation with somebody, they may come by just being, by just being quiet. Oftentimes they may be found where your heart breaks, but they won't stop. Just like this man, Jesus will keep asking, he will keep inviting. So as I close, here are my three simple questions for you from this passage. What is Jesus inviting you away from? What is Jesus inviting you into? And what is your response? like I said, it's incredibly easy to make a list of excuses as to why I can't or shouldn't do this. But if Jesus is inviting you into something, I will say boldly there is no good excuse to say no or to turn away. And you can say no. Jesus absolutely gives us the freedom to respond to him and to make our own choices, but I will say that there's no good excuse. And when I say that, what I mean is that many people will say, I can't do that, I'm not qualified for that, I'm not good enough, I've got too much baggage, I'm not worthy, or man, that seems absolutely impossible, and I will call BS on all of that. If Jesus has invited you into something, he has already taken care of all of the qualifications that you need. It may be hard and it may be really uncomfortable. You may need to make some major changes That man didn't have the qualifications. He didn't even know who Jesus was when Jesus invited him into healing. But Jesus knew him, and Jesus knows you. He's got you, and he is with you, and he absolutely sees a deep value in you. Jesus' invitations bring restoration and healing and life to yourself and to others. So right now, as the worship team comes back up, we are gonna enter into a time of communion. All who seek Jesus are welcome to the table, no matter who you are or where you come from. But during this time, I'd encourage you to give yourself the space to listen and to recognize Christ's specific invitation to you. And then I would challenge you to respond.